business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 15 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. Craig, thanks once again for pushing the buttons. And before we get into the show, just to wish all our Jewish listeners a Chag, a Kasher, a Sameach, a Happy and a Kosher Pesach. I hope everybody has a good break. And for all our listeners, I hope that the upcoming long weekend is taken in the spirit that it's intended to be, which is to spend time with family, just relax, recharge your batteries, and get ready for the rest of the quarter going forward. And today, I'm really, really excited because it's not often that you get to interview an entrepreneur in the classic sense, someone who is an entrepreneur from their bootstraps up, literally, someone who has built something from something, but almost something from nothing, and someone who has allowed people of experience people of knowledge and um, great depth to come into the organization that she started in order to add value to its shareholders. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome Shirley Hayes to the show. Shirley, welcome to Chai FM. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. It is an absolute compliment because Shirley Hayes is the founder and CEO of Copper360, and if I've just a little bit of research that I've done, Shirley is one of those ladies who doesn't beat around the bush. Shirley, I love the way you answered a lot of the questions that they asked you about your best movie and your best book. And basically, like, don't waste my time with silly things. I like things that inspire me and things that get me forward. But Robert Friedland and Elon Musk are definitely people that you look up to. And you have a lot in common in the sense with Elon Musk is that academic education wasn't a major focus for you, but rather getting down and dirty in the trenches, literally, was how you started your company. You're the founder of a copper mining and exploration company. Tell us how you started. Uh, I like the comparison with uh, Elon Musk, but but it is it, it, it humbles me. But uh, the one thing that I must say is 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 it taught me to to concentrate on my strengths. Right. Uh, it also, I also, I also use this in the big company today to concentrate on people's strengths. You cannot build a rocket, uh, to go to Mars or to go to the moon, uh, by concentrating on your weaknesses. You will never turn your weaknesses into strength. Focus on your strengths and then what you do, you get people in that counter your weaknesses. You need to surround yourself with people that are uh, with a very, very good team. So I got a, I got a bit off guard there now with that question. Can you just repeat that again, please? My question was, first of all, maybe just to, just to delve on that point that you made there for a second before I go back to the question, was that that's one of the mistakes that we were taught in school, is that we need to make our, our weaknesses strengths. If you're not good at maths, work hard at maths so that it becomes a strength. In the business world, we don't waste time with that. We work on what we're good at, and we get people who are better than us to work at the areas that we're not so good at. Um, Shirley, my question to you was, how did you start in the mining industry? 
I started, I often say it was the first, the best opportunity is sometimes the only opportunity, you know. It, it won't help if you start waiting for, for, for the best opportunity. Sometimes you need to grab what's in front of you and then you make it better. I was, uh, the only job I could find in the Northern Cape around Porfad, it was an admin job in the, in the granite industry. And I grabbed that and eventually I ended up uh, 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 being the magazine master. Um, that was an opportunity that, that, that was there all of a sudden. And it was because actually no one else wanted to do that <laughs> because, <laughs> but, you know, it's extreme weather there. And it was quite a while from the quarry to drive. And it also, um, entails driving to, to Uppington, which was you know, like, like 200 kilometers from there to, Transport the explosives, etc. So, uh, short, short story later, I, I, um, from the magazine master, then I, I realized I do know a little bit about explosives, how to handle it, how to store it, but I now would like to know how to use that. And then I requested from the company that was in 1997. They didn't have to do that. There wasn't all this, um, criteria that you had to do, uh, to get points. Uh, with regards to equality, etc. So I'm very grateful that they allowed me then to um, apply for my blasting certificate. And that shorter story again. In the end, I turned entrepreneurial and I started with uh, recycling old dumps at the Blesberg uh, mine. And from there, I started to get my own, apply for my own little mining quarry, which was Feldspars Industrial Mineral, it doesn't pay much, but it paid enough for deposits on the prospecting license uh, in the copper area. That was in my backyard. Um, Shirley, I really don't want to rush this, because I just want to understand your whole process. Let's take a quick break. We need to run to the shops quickly. Let's go okay. to an ad break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Shirley Hayes, CEO of Copper 360. So now you've got your first little concession up there in the Northern Cape. Where did you go from there? Hi, I just need to correct you quickly that I'm not the CEO of Copper 360. I'm the CEO of Ship Copper uh, and the founder. Yeah, and and, and the newly found um, Copper 360, we can talk about that later, um, that was formed. uh, I am the chairman of that company and the co-founder. So, yeah. Okay, so back to, to Ship Copper, how I started with the first quarry. (laughs) <laughs> the first one was a total disaster. It, uh, it, it it's pegmatites that you mine if uh, if you mine the industrial mineral uh, called potassium, which are contained in a stone that's called feldspar, and you can't really drill for it because it's a conglomeration of different materials. So you have to be very brave and a little bit stupid as well. You have to mine for it. And the first one was a total disaster, and then I moved on to the next one which was a very, very uh, successful Felsbach quarry. It was called um, Altamoy, which means uh, so, so beautiful. And it was called, the mine was called to the region, the little region, that little region was called Altamoy. And it was, uh, we didn't make a lot of money, but it was uh, the best time of my life. Absolutely. There was no running water. There was no electricity. There was no shade, but it was just the best time of my life. And that was really your springboard into bigger things. That was, yeah, that enabled me. That enabled me to get enough money to um, 
to apply for for prospecting rights. Uh, so, so what I was then was a small miner. Then, then you start mining on one hectare, actually one and a half hectare. Today, a small miner is five hectares. Uh, so, and then the next step was the, to go into a, a junior miner, which was the prospecting rights. And then the next one, uh, prospecting and mining rights, uh, depends on your, your market cap. And then the next one is to go into a big miner. For now, I am in the junior phase. I progress from small miner to junior miner. So I'm quite happy with that at this stage. Of the 360, what would they be classified as once it lists? It's a mining company. Uh, it was created, uh, as you know, by Ship Copper that has been prospecting and, and, and building all bodies the past 24 years. Sorry, the past uh, 14 years. Goodness, I'm not that old. It's the past 14 years. <laughs> And then Big Tree Copper, uh, who was founded by myself and also Jan Nelson, um, that uh, they they together have consolidated almost the entire Northern Cape and have we've decided to join forces and become one force in the copper sector, which are now the Copper 360. Uh, it, we are poised to become the next copper giant, copper producing giant in South Africa. And... Um, Ship owns under its mining uh, mining license virtually seventy percent of the entire Northern Cape uh, copper region, uh, and it's progressed all past exploration stage. And um, it's the right has been granted on nineteen thousand hectares, uh, and the mining right was executed on the eighth of December. It, it, it sounds quick, and I say it in one one you know one sentence and uh, three seconds, but it took fourteen years to get to here. You know, Shirley, that's something that I just want to spend a little bit of time on. You know, every great entrepreneur that you speak to, um, they're almost like an iceberg. You only see the top, the the part that sticks out the water, the success. But the hard work, the failures, the learning curve, all that is below the water and people don't tend to focus on it. You come, came into the mining industry without a geology background, without a business background without understanding um, about listing companies and raising capital. Yes, you did it slowly, but oh, you must have had a time where you looked at the, uh, the opportunities in front of you and just thought, how do I go forward when I don't have the skills? What gave you the sheer guts just to keep knocking your head on the wall until something cracked? It is, it's actually a benefit not to have those skills. Uh, you, all you need to do, you need to have a, a sense of logic and you have to apply some, you know, synthetic thinking. But if you don't have the skills, the fact that I don't have a degree was, was actually to my benefit because I know that not understanding the, the geological works of an ore body, I need to get the best geologists, not understanding the, Accounting department, I need to get the best, you know, accountants. Uh, the same goes with law. And in any, any, any company you are, whether you're the CEO or whether you're the founder, or whether you're the chairman, you cannot be a geologist by profession. You cannot be a lawyer by profession. You cannot be an accountant by profession. You cannot be a mining, a mining engineer by professor, professor or 
a process engineer, a chemical engineer by profession. You cannot be all those things. You can only be one one thing, and that is the condensation of all of those skills. And the one thing about not having a degree is, uh, you know, they say if you're 100% sure that you are correct, then most properly you will not be able to see the points where you are not. So it, it forces you to listen to good people and it forces you to surround yourself with the best team that they are. Julia, on that note, how did you go about finding these people and how did you sort of say to them, look, this is my vision. I need you to trust in me to work together to build something that is phenomenal especially in an industry that is not on the forefront of mining in South Africa? That's a good question. You need, a, you need to be a little bit obsessed. Uh, and that is like playing Chester, but you need to know the next eight moves uh, prior to where you are. And then you need to target these people. And sometimes sometimes it takes... Yeah, no. Give me a second. That that is the CEO phoning. <laughs> and then you need to target these people, and you need to sell. You need to sell uh, the dream. You need to sell the vision. And when you when you have the vision and you back it up with the technical support, with the actual all bodies that that's there, it it you know it becomes possible. The first the first mile is always the hardest one. When, when you start building, start compounding, your first, your first year is, is, is almost impossible. And the first mile is almost impossible. Like a baby starting to walk. You know, that, that first step is, is incredibly difficult. But once you can walk and then you start, um, start running. Shelly, the, the bottom line is that you can mine as well as you can. You can have the best equipment and the best science and technology. But if there isn't a demand for the product, then it's really going nowhere. Maybe just explain to us what is the demand for copper in the world today? What is it used for and why is it mined? You know, that's the interesting thing. When I started this journey in 2008 uh, in the copper sector, it was we didn't have what we have in the copper space now. But at that stage, I knew, you know, coppers will, copper will always be in demand because everything that has an on and off switch requires copper. But what we have today, we, we absolutely have, uh, copper is the new oil, <laughs> as we like to say. Uh, we have a worldwide energy crisis, uh, in South Africa for different reasons, but the whole world has got an energy crisis and they, they're all for different reasons, but there's an energy crisis and we are on the, on the brink of the start of an electrical re- uh, revolution. The same is the industrial revolution. And you need to, you need to stay with that a second or two to understand what I'm saying. We've been through, the world has been through industrial revolution. We are now on the beginning of an electrical revolution. And then the demand for copper has been climbing steadily as the global economy and everything moved towards the greener, um, the greener, uh, more environmentally friendly products and move away from fossil fuels. So uh, copper is essential. It's an essential element in the, in the electrical revolution. Um, you will not be able to do that without copper. And this is the demand for copper is growing with 20 year forecast showing a potential increase of 50%. Um, 
This will be driven and apart by long-term trends to achieve a lower carbon future and dependency on energy efficient. While the development of electronic devices uh, and demand for electric uh, electricity, power transportation, and electricity grids in our houses and our businesses um, is expected to 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 just you know mushroom into into greatness, as I think about it, because that's a very very nice. That's a very nice benefit to have uh, where I am now, because when I started, we were not uh, we didn't have a worldwide energy crisis and we were not at the brink of an electrical revolution. So my timing is absolutely perfect, not by design. Uh, at, that timing was randomness. <laughs> well, you know, but should I agree with you? I, I live in Israel at the moment. I've been here for two and a half years. And what I've seen in that short space is, for example, whole rows of parking and shopping malls being converted into electric charges for electric cars. All of a sudden, on the street, you've got electric charges that are just popped up that owners can park their cars there and charge them. It is becoming the way um, going forward. Most of the buses here now are electric. Most of the trains have converted a lot of them to electric. And they did that during COVID when there was no movement. They used that hiatus in time where there was no transport to actually do that. And it's just fascinating how South Africa is one of the leading suppliers of that. On that note, do we have enough copper in the Northern Cape in order to supply the demand? No, we don't. No, at this stage, the world doesn't even have enough copper to supply the mind, uh, the demand. The world doesn't have enough copper in 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 pipelines of production. Uh, just to put that in perspective, uh, 700 million tons is the total copper produced over the course of human history. And by 2050, that is what 27 years from now, we need to produce 1.4 billion tons. Wow. That's twice as much of copper. So no, we don't have enough copper. Uh, uh, to do that. And the world, uh, the world has got enough copper, but to, 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 to bring a copper mine to production takes about 14 years. That is phenomenal. Yeah. And the copper price currently doesn't incentivize that urgency. And also people don't really believe that we're going to have a severe copper crunch. They're starting now. Uh, with, uh, with certain articles from, from, from credible, um, news houses and financial houses saying, listen, uh, we're heading for a train crash with regards to copper. So, so the, the, the path to renewable energies will be much, much slower and we need to be patient with that and we need to be patient with fossil uh, fuels. We need to be patient for that. It's not going to happen overnight because there is not enough copper planned in the pipeline to meet that demand, which is sad, but it's a good news for a company like myself in the Northern Cape, because it will, yeah, it will result a good, good copper price. And it will also allow you to grow sustainably going forward. Surely, unfortunately, we've just got that 10 minute warning sign from Zoom, which I hate, but I just Mm. need to ask you, I'm looking at your logo of the 360. If I just saw the logo without looking at or understanding what the company was, um, because it's this beautiful warm logo with a copper colored word copper and then 360 in black. And underneath it says stronger together in a circle. 
And then it's a young sapling with very strong and deep roots. What is your thought behind the logo? Symbiotic biosis. You need to, you're not a silo. You need to look after all the stakeholders. And, and I'm not saying that as, cause you, cause you, you hear that a lot and you see that a lot. You need to look after the community. You look, need to look after the environment. You need to look after the employees. It's a zero harm uh, philosophy and not only a zero harm philosophy that we will try because in environmental that is, that is, that's impossible, but you can always go back and you can fill every hole that you've digged and get it back to the way it was before you started to dig. But it's not only zero harm, not, it's zero harm to people, zero harm to animals, zero harm to, 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 to all the stakeholders, the communities. Um, so that you leave, you leave, uh, you leave it a better place. Julie, we need to run to the shops again. And when we come back, what I, what I wanted to finish off with is exactly that point. Um, you know, we've got water problems here in, in Gauteng or in Gauteng from the mines that have been there for hundreds of years and created issues. You now basically taking over existing um, production facilities, revamping and starting new ones. And I just want to start up, discuss your four process, the planning process, and then also the people there, the indigenous people, the people who've always been there, how they are going to be empowered by this multi-million, even billion rand um, investment in the area. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Shirley, coming back to you, and again, unfortunately, we're running against the clock. You've got this major challenge that mining houses have all over the world. And that is that all of a sudden there's a lot of wealth coming into area. People see opportunities. How do you make sure that it's a win-win for the people, the environment, the fauna, the flora when you start a project like this? It's, it's a short time and, and just talking about communities, you know, that, <laughs> that, that can be an hour long discussion. Absolutely. Just, just t- touching that, my, my motto here is the future is not inherit. The future is created. And, and, and that's a very, very powerful message. Let us move away. The future is actually yours to create. So empowering communities involves first giving them the resources, the skills and the tools they need to take control and improve socially, economically, and environmental conditions. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do. You can't just give some – Give you need to train as well. You need to provide education and training. You need to build partnerships and collaborations. You need to foster those community leaderships. And you have to support that economic development, creating opportunities for, for economic development, you know, such as providing funding, resources, small buildings, and then – you need to address social and environmental issues with that. Uh, communities face a, a social and um, environmental challenge that can affect their well-being. You need to study that as well. You need to address that. Overall, to summarize community, empowering communities involves providing the resources and the support they need to take control of their lives and create positive change, you know, by working together. And that is why our logo says now, stronger together. Um, and building strong partnerships, communities can achieve their goals and create a brighter future. I have got another slogan that I say, we need to build a lighthouse community. 
so that other mining companies can have a look at this lighthouse community and say, let us follow that lighthouse. And, you know, maybe it starts a tipping point where, where all the mining companies follow that lighthouse, but not only the mining companies, all the other companies and all the other cities and towns. Starting, we're starting it with one community. Uh, it's the Concordia community and the aim is to create a lighthouse community. As you were talking, I was just thinking about these photos that we see from, from space of the world at night with the blue lights shining. And there's the, the Northern Cape with nothing but darkness because it's so vast. And there would be Concordia, you know, lit up and shimmering simply because we're educating children from the very beginning because we have the resources and we have the partnerships. And, you know, your legacy will be that generations to come will say, I'm part of that community and I had the opportunities and I took advantage of them just like Shirley did when she was given nothing and she built an empire. So all the best to you, Godspeed, and whatever you do, you should just be successful um, at and all the communities that you come in contact with should benefit from your positivity your drive and your ambition and your your humanity. Thank you very much. I must say, uh, Avi, this is the best interview questions that I have had to date, and it really touched my heart. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. All the best to you. And once again, um, Craig, thank you for pushing the buttons. Everybody, thank you for listening. And uh, I don't often say this, but I was honored to interview Shirley and Haynes, non-executive chairman, of Copper 360, a lady who really founded a business from the ground up. A, a lady who I always give an example is a Titanic, um, with a, sorry, an aircraft carrier of business because she allows smaller, more professional people to grow under her. And all that happens is she just grows higher and is able to control the entire scenario. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll speak to you next week.